Who are the New York Giants' best free agents in recent years? I'm going to give you 10 plus some honorable mentions coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena. Happy Friday to everybody. It is the Friday before the big holiday weekend, and I am so glad to see you guys and gals here. Hopefully you're tuning in. Um, going solo after doing a couple of shows in which I did nothing but interviews, and I hope you've been enjoying the interviews. So on today's show, we are going to take a look at the best free agent acquisitions in recent years that the Giants have acquired. And I'm going to go back even a little further um, and talk about uh, my top free agents that, that I like for the Giants. And I'll go down the list. And I even have some guys who made an honorable mention list. So I just figured that would be a kind of a fun way to end uh, the week before the long holiday weekend and then We'll just go into the holiday weekend, and uh, I'll tell you a little later what I've got coming up for you next week on the Locked on Giants podcast. So thank you for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day, or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. All right, so without any further ado, we are going to jump into my list of the 10 best free agent acquisitions for the New York Giants. Now, I tried to rank this. This was really hard, so I tried to rank it from number 10 down to number 1. I do have a few surprises, I think, as we get closer to number one, uh, things that you may not agree with, things you might agree with, I don't know, but we'll see how it kind of plays out. Now, the criteria for this is it had to be a veteran free agent acquisition. It couldn't be an undrafted free agent. Um, so I kind of went down this this list here and wrote these guys down, and uh, we'll just see what you think. So here goes nothing. All right, kicking things off with Number 10, defensive tackle Fred Robbins is number 10 on my list. Fred Robbins came to the Giants from the Minnesota Vikings. He was uh, part of the Super Bowl 42 team. He was a defensive captain. And for those of you who maybe don't remember Fred Robbins clearly, he was back in the day the Dexter Lawrence before Dexter Lawrence was Dexter Lawrence. Fred Robbins was an interior defensive lineman, a big body guy who was really good at stuffing the run and who could get after the passer. I think he had something like 30 and a half sacks or maybe 33 and a half sacks when his career was all said and done. So Fred Robbins could really do it all. And he's, you know, he he was an integral part of that Super Bowl 42 defense um, in, in that he ate up two blockers, which freed up opportunities for the guys behind him to make plays. So Fred Robbins, interior defensive lineman is number 10 on my list of top giant free agents. Number nine on my list is fellow Rutgers alum, Sean O'Hara, offensive lineman. Now Sean O'Hara was an undrafted free agent. He originally signed with the Cleveland Browns played um, guard. If I'm not mistaken, mostly for the Browns in the first few years of his career. And then he signed a free agent contract, I think in 2005 
No, I'm sorry, 2004. It would have been his first year would have been the same as as uh, Eli's. And uh, he came over to an offense, you know, to, to help stabilize a Giants offensive line that really wasn't very good when he came over to the Giants. That 2004 season, of course, the first year for the Tom Coughlin era, the first year for Eli Manning. And Sean O'Hara was the center for that uh, for that Eli Manning's um, rookie season. Now, here's a little trivia uh, tidbit for you. Sean O'Hara did not snap to Eli in his first, in Eli's, that is, in Eli's first games. And uh, the guy that did it was actually, I believe, the starting center the year before, a guy by the name of Wayne Lucier. And the reason why Wayne Lucier was the one who basically was on the field for Eli's first games as a pro was because at the time, Sean O'Hara had developed a staph infection. So he actually missed, I think, a few games because of that staph infection. But luckily, he made a full recovery. And he and Eli forged a bond that still exists to this day. If you watch Giants.com, you probably see that O'Hara is Eli's wingman. He's always been his wingman. So he's, you know, co-host over on that Eli Manning show that he does. And O'Hara, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what he brought to the team. So from 2005 to 2009, he missed just one game. um, And he made three straight Pro Bowls, including in 2010, despite the fact that he missed something like, uh, I want to say at least six games with an ankle injury. And of course, you know, the following year, 2011, that was the year of the lockout. Sean O'Hara retired that year. He, you know, his, his body had been beaten up at that point and uh, the Giants moved on from him. And I think they brought in David Boss, if I'm not mistaken, to be the center after O'Hara. So, but for, uh, for several years when he was here, Sean O'Hara, an anchor of that offensive line, great personality. What you see on TV, you know, is kind of what he was like back in the day. He was also uh, a very smart player. I mean, when it came to breaking down stuff and dissecting what the defense was doing and making the line calls, O'Hara knew his stuff. So I think he he deserves a place on the top 10. All right. Player number eight of the top free agents signed by the Giants. This one is a fairly recent one, and it is kicker Graham Gano. What can we say about Graham Gano, folks? Other than he's been the leading scorer for the Giants, you know, on teams, on giant teams that just couldn't score, you know, they paid to get into the end zone. Um, he's been Mr. Reliable with his field goals, with his point after uh, touchdowns. His kickoffs have been solid. Now, last year, just a smidge of an of an off year for him, mostly with the kickoff uh, situation. Part of that was, though, I think because the coverage team just wasn't very good. But Gano has been Mr. Reliable. He's still, you know, fairly young, still in good shape, and still a very underrated weapon for this Giants team. A guy that you know that if you get within striking distance, he's going to come through for you. And can we talk about all the 50-yard-plus uh, field goals that he makes? Um, pretty good with that, those uh, long-distance kicks. So Gano is a guy that just has been a tremendous weapon for the New York Giants of late. And um, the funny thing is, is moving forward, you hope that he doesn't have to do a whole lot with field goal kicking. 
because that means obviously the Giants are converting, you know, what would have been a field goal into a touchdown. But uh, just to know that you have somebody like Gano on your team, very um, reassuring. So, okay. Player number seven, sticking with special teams here. Jeff Deagles, punter. All right. Um, if you got if you're as old as I am, you probably remember the days of Ray Guy of the uh Oakland, Oakland Raiders, I think he was. Yeah. It was the Raiders. I can't remember though if they were Oakland or Los Los Angeles, but Ray Guy back in the day, whew, that guy could put that ball wherever he wanted. You know, it was almost like a command. It's like it would come off of Ray Guy's foot and it was almost like Ray Guy would say, okay, ball, I want you to go coffin corner, one yard line to the right, or coffin corner, one yard to the left. That, folks, is what Jeff Fiegels brought to the team. Jeff Fiegels was a master of the coffin kick. Jeff Fiegels was a master of the pooch kick. I mean, I don't think I've seen a Giants punter since Dave Jennings Yes, I'm dating myself, but Dave Jennings from the 70s and, and 80s, who had the kind of touch that Jeff Fiegels had. And folks, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's a punter, you know, big deal. You get a good punter and you team them up with a good um, pair of gunners, which Fiegels had, especially in 2007 with David Tyree. Uh, and you could flip the field very easily. And give your team the advantage. So Jeff Fiegels is my seventh uh, top free agent signing or free agent acquisition from the New York Giants. All right. Coming up, I have, um, I'm going to do players six, five, four, and three for you. So that's going to come up right after this. Hey, Giant fans, take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20 and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All of that on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You've got Patricia Trainer here, and I am running down my list of the top 10 Giants free agents of uh, recent years, guys that I think um, their acquisitions were just, you know, they made a big difference. And we're talking veteran free agents, most of these guys coming from another team before coming over to the Giants. So we just did um, the first... Uh, four on the list, number 10, 9, 8, and 7, Fred Robbins, Sean O'Hara, Graham Gano, and Jeff Fiegels. So now we're going to do number 6, 5, 4, and 3. And also coming up on the list, I have um, some honorable mentions for you. It's guys that almost made the list, but I couldn't quite put them on the list. So that's going to come up. Before I get to number 6, just real quick, 
Next week on the Locked on Giants podcast, I have for you a new series that I'm going to run. Basically, I have been interviewing my colleagues over on the Locked on NFL Network. And uh, these are all the colleagues who have teams that are going to face the Giants in the 2023 season. So basically, it's a little preview of each Giants opponent in 2023. So I'm going to just run a whole batch of them next week. We'll do five shows if you want to tune in and watch them. I know we've got the holiday week, but they've all been pre-recorded and they're all ready to go. So this way I can sneak away and get some time off. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, so we'll do that. And then I'll continue that the following week. And gosh, before we know it, going to be time for July 17th, which is the deadline for Saquon Barkley to sign if he's going to sign. And then training camp will be here before we know it. So plenty of stuff still to come on the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, I appreciate you tuning in and making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. All right. So let's get back to the list, which I have on my pad here. Number six, this guy came over from the Kansas City Chiefs. He played with the Chiefs from 2003 to 2006. He was unfortunately only with the Giants for one season, 2007, the Super Bowl season. But he was so instrumental in helping that team win. And if I'm not mistaken, he played, um, I want to say he played weak side linebacker, if I remember correctly. And I'm talking about Kavika Mitchell. Now, Kavika Mitchell, you know, when you think of the heroes of Super Bowl 42, when you think about the, the names on the defense, you know, his isn't one that necessarily comes to mind. But Kavika Mitchell was probably one of the most underrated players on the starting defense. This is a guy who, in coverage, was just a beast. You know, he was able to track down tight ends and running backs leaking out of the backfield. He was a sure tackler. Um, you know, just just a really solid addition to the team. And when he um, didn't resign with the Giants, I think he went to the Bills afterwards. I'm just, yeah, he went to the Bills afterwards um, for whom he played 2008, 2009 before finishing his career with the Saints in 2010. I was really, you know, sad to see Kavika Mitchell go. I had hoped the Giants would be able to retain him because he was just so underrated in that defense and so important. And uh, I think if you ask um, Steve Spagnola, who was the defensive coordinator for 2007 at Super Bowl team, he'll tell you that Kavika Mitchell was a huge part of that defense and maybe an underrated part as well. So Kavika Mitchell makes the list at number six. All right. Number five, we're going to go way back now in history. Not too far back. So number five is quarterback Kerry Collins. Now, Kerry Collins, um, we I think a lot of people know his story. He was a the number one draft pick uh with the Carolina Panthers, fell upon some difficult times in his personal life, had some you know, some issues that he had to work out, and he did to his credit. He got a second chance with the New York Giants. And basically, Kerry Collins helped to stabilize the Giants quarterback situation. Because if you think about it, you know, Phil Sims retired, I want to say in 94, 95. I think it was 94. Or was it 95? It was, it was the mid-90s. Phil Sims retired. 
Then you had Dave Brown, who didn't work out. Then you had a rotation of Kent Graham. You had Danny Cannell. They didn't work out either. So the Giants went out and they got Kerry Collins, who still had, you know, some juice left in his arm. And he came in and he stabilized that quarterback position. He replaced Graham and um, he led the Giants, by the way, to Super Bowl 35, which unfortunately the Giants lost to the Baltimore Ravens. But along the way, if you remember 41-0, which was the NFC Championship game against the Minnesota Vikings that year, what a performance by Kerry Collins. I mean, that was that was vintage Kerry Collins, folks. And um, at the time when Kerry Collins finished his career with the Giants, which he finished, um, I think it was in 2003, was his last year with the team. He was uh, one of three quarterbacks, Phil Simms being one, Charlie Connery being the other, who had, you know, who were who ranked in the franchise annuals with passing yards. So Sims and Connerly had more passing yards than Collins, who really, you know, lit up the, the scoreboard for the Giants. So Collins uh, moved on, like I said, after the 2003 season. Um, that, of course, in 2004, the Giants drafted, well, not drafted Eli Manning, but they traded for Eli Manning with the then San Diego Chargers sending Philip Rivers to the Chargers for Eli Manning. And then the veteran who they brought in to kind of, you know, serve as a transition type player was Kurt Warner, future Hall of Famer at the time. And uh, Jason Garrett, by the way, was was on the, the team with, with Kerry Collins. I don't know if, if a lot of you know that, but Jason Garrett, who would become the offensive coordinator for the Giants under the Joe Judge era, um, was part of that team as well. But Kerry Collins, in my book, solidified the quarterback situation. And then of course, Eli took it over and it was solid for over a decade. And now you got Danny dollars in there. Hopefully it'll be solid for another decade because you don't want to be going through quarterbacks every year. So Kerry Collins gets number five on the place uh, on the list. Number four, this might surprise you that I have them this low in the list, but I am going to give the number four spot to wide receiver Plaxico Burris. Burris, of course, played his the beginning part of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Burris signed with the Giants in uh, 2005, as a matter of fact, on March 17, 2005, hence why he wore number 17 for the Giants. And in Burris, the Giants got themselves a legitimate number one receiver, a guy who defensive coordinators had to game plan for a guy who created headaches for opposing defenses, a guy who was just unstoppable at times. Burris, instrumental, of course, in the 2007 championship season because he was a guy who drew double teams and that opened things up for other people. So kind of like what they're hoping Darren Waller becomes in in the modern day roster, you know, Darren Waller, a big receiver type, even though he's a tight end, um, they're kind of hoping that Darren Waller kind of reincarnates that Plaxico Burris role, but without the unfortunate, you know, accidental shooting incident, obviously. Burris in 2008, you know, the Giants were were 
much better. They were, they were even better than their 2007 version. And they were rolling. I mean, it looked like they were going to be like the team to beat throughout the NFL. And then unfortunately Burris accidentally shot himself in the leg and we all know how that story ended up. So hopefully um, his, that part of history doesn't repeat itself, but hopefully the part where, you know, um, the big receiver type, in this case, Waller, you know, opens things up for the guys on the outside and whatnot. So, uh, but Plexigo Burris, number four on my list. Okay. I have three more that I'm going to give you. The order might surprise you. There's probably going to be one surprise on this list. And I have some honorable mentions that will come your way right after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you haven't already, check out our subtext community service. The subtext community allows me to communicate one-on-one with my listeners and my readers, and I really enjoy having that opportunity. Plus, I can send out instant alerts. The minute I hear news, I can send it out to you. So, for example, if you're waiting for when Saquon Barkley signs that contract, I can get that out to you just as soon as I know. The text service costs $4.99 a month. However, you can try it out for free for 14 days if you like it. Continue onward. If you don't like it, you cancel before your 14-day trial is over and owe nothing. And for a limited time right now with the code PTRAIN, you can get two months for the price of one. You'll want to have this service, especially during the summertime when things change and I have updates to pass out to everybody. So check it out today for details. Check out the show notes. And I hope to see you in the subtext community. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Lock on Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Trena. And uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in. I know it's the dead part of the NFL calendar, but I decided I was going to give you guys daily content, even though, you know, there's nothing new to talk about, but just trying to come up with some different ideas and, you know, hopefully keep you guys engaged and everything like that. So I do appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate the feedback I've been getting and um, we'll just roll right along. You know, like I said, uh, starting next week, we will have um, locked on hosts come on with me and they'll tell us about the opponents that the giants are going to be facing in 2023. So some really, really good shows. Um, They're not going to be in order, unfortunately, but I am going to try and hit everybody, um, you know, every team that the giants are going to, face over the 2023 season. So I hope you will enjoy that little series once it starts on Monday. All right. We are looking at the Giants' top free agent acquisitions, in my opinion, of course. Your opinion might vary, which is fine. Um, And we're going to do three, two, and one. So the top three, and plus I have some honorable mentions that I have to get in here. So I'll tell you who those are. Once I just before I get to um, my first overall pick, and by the way, folks, if you agree with the list, I'd love to hear it. If you disagree with the list, let me know. If I miss somebody, tell me. You know, I tried to keep it as modern, you know, modern era. You know, it's funny. I'd written an article years ago uh, for Bleacher Report, and I had Pete Gugelock on the on the uh, five. I think I had to do five top free agents, and I put. Pete Gugelak on there. Uh, Pete Gugelak was, um, you know, 
right around the time of the AFL NFL merger. So I tried to keep it, you know, kind of uh, current, you know, so that hopefully a lot of these names you guys and gals will recognize. So let's get back to it. Numbers one, two, and three. We'll start with number three on the list. This, I, I got to tell you, number three and number two, this was really, really hard for me because I went back and forth with whether I was going to put the guy that I have at number three at number two and vice versa. And in the end, I kind of just flipped the coin on this one. And this is how it came out. So AP, if you're watching, you know, I love you. You know, you know, I think you're awesome. Number three is inside linebacker Antonio Pierce. He came to the Giants from Washington. Um, what can we say about Antonio Pierce? All right. From uh, 2006 to 2008, I believe he missed just one game in his career with the Giants um, until, unfortunately, that neck ailment that he had ended his career early. But the thing about Antonio Pierce, besides the fact that he was one heck of a leader, I mean, this man, I think everybody would have followed him no matter where he he led them. To. Um, he was that good of a leader. But the impressive thing about Antonio Pierce was his mind and how smart he was. And I'm not just talking, you know, just in general talk conversation or anything like that, which, by the way, he was. But on the football field, this guy was like a coach. And I don't know how he did it. Well, actually, I do kind of know how he did it. But he could diagnose a play before that play even ran. He was a film junkie. He took meticulous notes and my goodness you watch him play and and just all the times he would blow up a play because he knew what was coming you just sat there and you went my god how did he know that even when there was some trickery involved little cues and whatnot he was able to pick up and and determine and, and say you know that these guys what they were going to do and steve spagnolo the defensive coordinator of the 2017 trusted AP like, you know, he was an extension of himself because in a way he was, he knew that Antonio Pierce was going to get everybody lined up correctly. He knew Antonio Pierce was going to make the plays asked of him that he wasn't going to freelance or do anything, you know, crazy that would put the team in a bad position. Uh, Spags knew that he could count on AP as did Tom Coughlin, as did the giant players. AP was part of the first ever leadership council under Tom Coughlin. And folks, when AP spoke, people listened. Yes, including even uh, the, the larger personalities in the locker room, like the Michael Strahans, who, you know, was a leader in himself. Um, the Sean O'Harris, who was also on the, the um, leadership commi uh, committee. The Eli Mannings, the Chris Knees, you know, all these guys. When AP spoke, you stopped what you were doing and you listened. And AP on the field, um, I think we can all agree that until, you know, unfortunately that neck injury happened, he was probably a pretty good pickup for the Giants in the middle. I mean, um, if, if I had to compare him, I don't know if I would say he, he was quite on par with Luke Keekley of the Panthers, but AP, you know, he, that his intelligence got him through a lot. 
and made him just as good and ineffective. So AP takes number three on my list. And like I said, I had to toss a coin here for number two, for number three and number two. Landing at number two on my list, Safety Antrell Roll. Now, Antrell Roll had been actually released by the Cardinals. Um, so he became kind of a street free agent. Uh, I believe he was released because there was a salary cap issue at the time with, with him. So he signed with the Giants. He became an every down safety for them. Fiery leader. Um, he never, you know, I think he played just about every snap. Um, I don't think he missed very many games. I, I want to say maybe one in his career with the Giants. But here's what was was so special about Antrell Roll, besides the play on the field. Antrell was never afraid to speak his mind. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in 2011, the Giants season was kind of on the brink. They had hit a little bit of a rough patch. There was some stuff going on behind the scenes. You know, I remember Justin Tuck was having a rough year personally and professionally. Um, a few other guys were starting to, you know, kind of mail it in a little bit. And Antrell Roll, who was one of the team captains, basically stood up and challenged every single one of his teammates to put in the time, to put in the effort, to put in the work, to turn the ship around. And what happened? 2011, that team went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. And, you know, you could point to a lot of different things, a lot of different reasons why. I still say that you've got to count Antrell Roll's rallying cry and his leadership. Because sometimes, folks, when the chips are down, if you have a strong leader who can, you know, keep you focused, keep you on track and get you out of the mud, so to speak, that's just as good as anything that you could ever ask for. So Antrell Roll gets spot number two on my list of top 10 Giants free agent acquisitions, veteran types. All right, before I get to number one, and some of you are probably saying, okay, you covered Plax, you covered Pierce, you covered Roll. Who else is there? Let me give you my honorable mentions. And I have two guys that I want to mention. The first one is offensive lineman Kevin Booth. Kevin Booth, a Cornell graduate. So smart guy, um, very underrated offensive lineman. Kevin Booth was originally drafted by the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. Um, they waived him, I believe, in the preseason 2007. So the Giants picked him up. And Kevin Booth initially was a, you know, a fill-in, obviously a reserve. But he was so good and so true, assignment true that he eventually earned a starting job. And Booth could not only play guard, he could also play center. So he gave the Giants snaps at guard and center. And, you know, guy, again, you talk about intelligence. Kevin Booth had it. I mean, you put him out there and what he may have lacked physically, he made up for with his mind. And um, towards the end of the career, you know, as, as with any guy, you know, the end of the career, things maybe drop off a little bit. But when Booth was on his game, he was solid and very underrated, I think, by a lot of people who just didn't appreciate what he brought to the table. So Kevin Booth 
is the first of two guys on my honorable mention list. Um, the second one, and this guy was one of my favorites to cover. He was a member of the 2011 championship team, came from the Seattle Seahawks, safety Dion Grant. Now, what was interesting about Grant is that he had always been a starter for the Seahawks, but when he came over to the Giants, he had to take on a little different role because the Giants, I believe, had two starters at the time. So Dion Grant, when he came over to the Giants, wasn't necessarily a starter, but you know what? He played so much, he might as well have been a starter. And I believe he was even paid like a starter. Dion was another guy that... If you're talking about intelligence and smarts, he had it and, you know, in buckets, I, I might say. Dion Grant, always in the right position. Dion Grant, you know, got himself into position to make plays. And he, his leadership, you know, the Giants had a young defensive secondary at the time. And you talk about, you know, like a, a lighthouse or a beacon of light for those young guys out there in the sea there that was Dion Grant so very valuable player he was a member of the leadership council that they had um, I don't think he was ever voted a team captain but he should have been in my opinion because he was just that well respected and he made a difference for that Giants defensive secondary a huge difference and hey they won a Super Bowl championship with him back there so um, everybody contributed Dion Grant included. So Dion Grant, the second of two players on my honorable mention list. All right. Who's number one on my list? This one might surprise you, but I got to give love to, uh, to this guy because he was, you know, not only one of my favorites, which is not why he's number one on the list, but this is a guy who I think was very underrated, but when you consider what he brought to the table and how he was sturdy and just everything all considered, I think he belongs at the top of the list. And I am talking about offensive tackle Kareem McKenzie, who played right tackle for the Giants uh, for two Super Bowl championships, 2007 and 2011. Now, K-Mac came from the Jets, who had drafted him initially. So he didn't have to go far in free agency. He signed with the Giants. And <clears throat> I want to say, except for one year, yeah, except for 2009, Kareem McKenzie played over 1,000 snaps in every season for the Giants. So he was durable. He was sturdy. And, folks, he was good. When Kareem McKenzie was in his prime as a run blocker, Man, you get out of the way because he was going to roll you over, kind of like a steamroller or a street paver. As a pass protector, you just weren't getting around Kareem McKenzie. He could do it all for the offensive lineman. He is, you know, when I sit and I think about Evan Neal and what I hope Evan Neal becomes, I think of Kareem McKenzie because that's how good Kareem McKenzie was as a right tackle. And I can only hope, as I'm sure the rest of us can, Evan Neal becomes like that because look, it all starts up front with the offensive line. And at the beginning of the show, I mentioned Sean O'Hara as being one of the, as being on the list as well. Sean O'Hara coming in at number nine on my list. 
but Kareem McKenzie was a big part of that line as well. And um, what a difference he made. What a difference. So he gets the top spot on my list. And that is my list, by the way. So let me know what you think. Do you agree with my choices? Disagree? Do you have some guys that maybe I left out? Guys that shouldn't be on the list? Maybe the order's messed up? I don't know. But drop a comment in the box below, if watching on YouTube, or if you're listening on our audio platforms, drop me an a email and let me know. I'm always curious to see what you guys think and hear what you have to say about these listing, these rank listing uh, shows that we do. So ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in on today, Friday. I want to wish you a very, very happy holiday weekend, a safe holiday weekend. We will be back next week with all new shows on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Again, we're going to be looking at the Giants opponents with each of the Lockdown NFL hosts that cover the teams. And if you're going on vacation, you know what? The shows will be there waiting for you when you come back. So if you are taking some time off like I am, enjoy yourself. And we will see you next week. Take care, everybody.